I didn't want my life to be like this. I mean, it was perfect just a few months ago. And I got there. And I drove back to the cemetery where he was, and I realized he wasn't even there. There was nothing there but cold dirt and dead flowers. What am I going to do, God? And I got back in my car, and I, I drove out to the place where I came in at. And by that time, it had gotten dark. It had gotten real dark. And I was afraid. And when I got to the end of the place, they had locked me in the cemetery. I mean, a huge Bible gate, steadfast and unmovable. I thought, okay, God, I think you got a message for me today. Can we please hurry up and, and, and learn so I can learn this lesson? So I got out of my car and I went to the left side and I figured, I'm going to try to pick this lock or try to get up out of here. I can't spend the night in no cemetery with 4,000 dead folk back here. And then I went to the right side, and I couldn't find any way to get out there. And I looked underneath, and I guess I had had too many Oreo pity parties that night, and I was not going to fit underneath that fence. And then I looked to the top, and I saw six inches of metal spikes and they had that don't even try it look. I said, okay, God, I know there's a lesson for me, but what is it? I need to get it so I can get out of here. And then I thought about the disciples when they went to jail. They were in there singing. So I figured, okay. The song that came to mind was, do, Lord, do, Lord, do remember me. And I started singing there, locked up in the cemetery in the dark. And then fear popped me on the head like a V8 pop. And it said, nut, you sitting here in a cemetery singing. You better try to figure out how to get out. So I started honking the horn and blowing the horn and flashing my lights. And nobody was out there. It was in the country. And common sense came to me and said, here you are, all alone. You don't know who's going to come rescue you. And I figured this is not a good time to get robbed because first thing in the morning, I'm going to the pawn shop so I can pay some of these bills. But in 1998, I had a minute phone, but I had two minutes on it. <laughs> I thought that just figures, doesn't it? My luck is not so good today. But then I figured, which one of my friends can I call and I can say I'm locked in the cemetery and please come get me and do not have a kid come pick it up? So I called Carol. I said, Carol, this is Debbie. I'm locked in the cemetery where Roosevelt is. Can you please click? A minute's ran out. I was thinking. And then I thought, I can dial 911 with no minutes. So I dialed 911, and after the lady started laughing and stopped laughing, she said, well, guess what? They'll be back to work in the morning. And it hung up. I thought, God, okay, what is this lesson? As long as it's not anything like Ezekiel and any dry bones connecting, hip bone, you better stay right where you at. And Lazarus, you bet not. And it got longer at night. It got darker. And in about 45 minutes, a little lady came on the other side of the gate. And I thought she was going to have a key, but she said, get back in your car. Get back in my car. Man, people don't do their job good no more. 
And I was upset, but I ain't had no other choice. So I got back in my car. And she said, move two feet. I got in my car angry and huffing and puffing a little bit, but I had to be obedient. I got in my car and I started up and I drove two feet from the cake. And it started humming. And it started sliding to the side. And against every bit of common sense that I had, I thought the gate opened out, or I thought it may have opened in, but it slid to the side as soon as I got so close to it. I wasn't trying to tear up my car because I was going to have to sell that car, but then I got the lesson that God was trying to give me. He said, in life, you're going to go through many storms. You're going to go through places that you don't understand and, and feel like everything is lost. But you can't go backwards. There's nothing there but cold dirt and dead flowers. And when you go to the left or you go to the right, nothing is going to happen. But in life, you got to trust me and move forward. You got to pick up what pieces you can and just trust me. All you got to do is trust me. I'm not going to put on you any more than you can bear. And it was just two feet from my freedom. And that lesson gave me the courage that even though my husband was dead and my father was dead, who was a rock in my life, that I had God and I could pick up those dreams, pick up those broken pieces and move forward. You see, because it was just a pile of broken dreams. And nothing ever like it seems, you know, but I had to move on from here and move forward with my life. And I thought about all the time that I wasted with dreams and hopes that weren't even mine following other people's dreams. But with God, I could pull those pieces back together. And I moved on out of that cemetery, and it wasn't too long after that that God said, can I trust you? And I said, yes, Lord, you can trust me. But I moved to Cleveland. I didn't know anybody in Cleveland, but I had enough trust in God after being locked in that cemetery that he was going to take care of me no matter what. And one of the first parables that he gave me, I came to Cleveland, and I started performing parables, and I started doing different things, but I was like, God, but it's taking too long. We want God to do things when we want him to do. But this is a parable called the vessel story. I'm a vessel, <laughs> just a plain old clay pot. Now, it wasn't my choice to be no crusty old vessel, and you better believe me, I tried to fight it every step of the way. You see, I didn't think it was fair. All my other friends, they just got on the wheel and spun around a few times, and they were done. While some of them even had beautiful glaze, and they went off to decorate mansions and fancy places, but not me. I stayed on that wheel so long, just going around and around and around, and I didn't even know which way was up. I was like, ain't this my life? Shouldn't I be the one to decide what happens with my life? I'll tell you one thing. The very next time that potter slow that wheel down, I'm going to jump. <laughs> I got my chance. It was the end of the day, and the, and the potter slowed down the wheel. And, and I said, I'm going to jump. 
and I jumped. And when I jumped, I was so happy because for the first time in my life, I was free. I could feel the wind shooting up my sides. And I was just thinking about all the things I was going to do when I get out of here and when I'm controlling my own life. But then I hit the ground. And I hit the ground with such force that the left half flew over under the window and the right half flew under the shelving. Uh-oh. Soon the lights went out and the door creaked closed and there I was all alone and nobody even knew where I was. It got colder by the hour and darker by the hour and I sat there and I just thought about my life and what a mess I'd made out of my life. Nobody could love me the way I was. Part of me wanted to get some rest because in the morning, the part was just going to come in and dash me in the fire. The other part wanted to scream and yell in agony because it was over. Look at me. After what seemed like an eternity, I could see the sun begin to rise through the window. And shortly after that, the door creaked open and a candle was lit. And the potter saw me. And by the light of the candle, I could see his strong arms and I braced myself because I didn't want to feel what it's going to feel like when he dashed me in the fire. But he picked me up. And his strong hands were warm. And soon I felt my missing piece being laid against my wounded side. And in shame, I lifted up my eyes. And I saw my reflection and a tear in the potter's face. And he held me up by the light of the candle. I could see how broken I was and how damaged I was. Nobody could love me the way I was. And then he brought me to his bosom. And I could feel his heartbeat. And the tear rolled down my aching sides like a healing balm. And I felt his breath. And he opened his mouth. And he spoke to me. And he said, If I can use you, break your wheel with my own hand. Just let me use you for my perfect master plan. I'll make and mold you such a process you'll endure. I'll shape and fold you, sanctify, make whole and pure. Let me use you, though my purpose you can't see, then I will choose you for your perfect destiny. Please let me use you, a special vessel just 
for me. And he lovingly placed me on the wheel and gave me a chance to start all over again. Now that's the beautiful thing about the potter is it doesn't matter how many times we've messed up, how many times we run away like Jonah, how many times we fail at the things that he has given us. He gives us a chance to start all over again. Now I came to Cleveland and I did well for a while following my purpose, but then I did to Jonah. Belly of the well, one ticket, I had it. Because see, I figured that if God sent me here to Cleveland to do something, and I did it for like two years, I mean, it should be okay by now. But then other things came up. My family, we bought four Domino Pizza stores. We bought the one downtown Cleveland, the one Chagrin Falls, the one on Lee and Broadway, and the one in um, Cleveland Heights. And I figured, I'm going to run away like Jonah. I'm going to get in the belly of the well, and I'm not worried about being no storyteller. I'm going to do what's making me some money. And I dropped it. Then I started back again, and then later on, I had an opportunity to become a lemon law arbitrator. And I had $100,000 in my pocket, and I drove around and gave it to people for their old raggedy trucks. And I thought I had made it. But then you know what? Cancer has a way of speaking to you in the middle of the night. I had stage four cancer. It was under my heart, under my lung, on all four sides of my hip, and under the stitches for the surgery. And at night, I knew I would miss my family, but I thought about, here I am. I'm in the belly of this well running from what God gave me to do and the plan that he gave me for my life. Now, it wasn't all wasted because I went to and I joined the Cleveland Area Black Storytellers. And I'm going to do one of the condensed versions of one of the stories that I get requested to do at the Black Storytellers. And it's called The Year Uncle Bubba Jack Died. And it's also in this book, the full version of it. Our family's very organized. You know, when we have a baby in the family, we don't waste no time having no gifts and all that kind of stuff. We just get the great big old yellow envelope, and we pass it around, and we give the child cold, hard cash. That way the family can buy what they want to buy with it. Now, when it comes to them names, now, they don't name nobody Polly and Billy Ray no more. So we have lesson to teach them how to pronounce the younger name. Now, we celebrate birthdays, and we celebrate all kind of things, but I tell you, it ain't nothing like when the good Lord see fit to pluck one of us off of the family tree. We get right military about that. Now, I remember one time I was sitting down, and I was reading the newspaper, and it said B.J. Madison with a T done died. Lord, B.J. Madison with a T. Lord, that's Uncle Bubba Jack. Uncle Bubba Jack done died, Lord. But I told you he's organized. So I went and I called Beba May. I said, oh, Beba May, I'm so sorry to inform you that Uncle Papa Jack done died. And Beba May hollered and fell out. And the reason I knew she fell out because she about 600 pounds. And I felt that vibration on the phone. And we said, we got to get organized. So Beba May called Cuntubi and cutting tubi called cutting puda, and we all got everything situated. 
Now, you know, in a family, you know who can cook and who can't cook nothing. So way ahead of time, we done planned the repasses. Now, if you're pretty good, we might have put you on meats. Now, when you come to the repast, you bring your particular meat. If we tell you chicken, don't bring no ribs. Now, if you ain't on meat, you might be on sides. Now, if we tell you potato salad, you bet not come up there with no coleslaw. We don't play that. Now, if you ain't on meats and you ain't on sides, you might be on desserts. Don't come practicing none of them Facebook recipes. We want the same thing every time. If you want to practice some recipes, take that to your coworkers. Now, if you ain't on meats and you ain't on sides and you ain't on desserts, then you is forever to your own home going on drinks and paper cups. Now, it's a good thing we was organized like that because the funeral was the next day. So at 10 o'clock the next day, we all showed up at Polter Funeral Home. The folks with the meats was in the front. The folks with the sides was behind them. And the folks with the desserts was behind them. And the folks with the drinks and the paper cups was all out in the parking lot. And I was the spokesperson. So I went in and I said, oh, Mr. Potter, Uncle Bubba Jack done died. And Mr. Potter said, I'm sorry and I give you my condolences, but what's your uncle's real name? Lord, it hit me like a sack of taters. I didn't know what Uncle Bubba Jack's real name was. And I asked Bieber May. Bieber May didn't know. And we asked Contubi. He didn't know what Uncle Bubba Jack's real name. And Mr. Potter started sweating. Because all them folk was out there with them meats inside and smelling up the neighborhood. He didn't want no dogs come running around there like crazy. So he said, let me go back in the back and see if I can figure out who your uncle is. So he went back there. And shortly after that, I started hearing some singing. Now, I told you our family was very organized. We got one family member that's a choir director, and she was out there directing the choir. Now, the folks with the meats was the tenors, and the folks with the sides was the altos, and the folks with the desserts was the sweetest sopranos you ever want to see. Now, if you was on drinks and paper cups, you can just fill in and sing wherever you want to. But they were singing Swing Low. Sweet Chariot, done taking Uncle Bubba Jack home. And at that moment, somebody come in the side door, and it was a little old man. And he came up to the receptionist, and he said, Ma'am, I'm here for my family people's funeral. And he said, she said, well, sir, what's your family people's name? He said, I don't know. All I know is I've been on drinks and paper cups since my Maybelline died, and here I am. Turn around, and then Uncle Bubba Jack stand inside me. I said, Uncle Bubba Jack, they told me you done died. He said, I ain't died. I just got the family call, and I come to bring my drinks and paper cups. Lord, we knew we had a situation. But Uncle Bubba Jack, being the head of the family, he said, well, do you got the place, the paper where you saw that? And I said, yes, sir, I do. And I pulled out my Bible because I'm a good Christian and I carry my Bible everywhere I go. And in the paper it said, Mr. B.J. Madison with a T done died. We were so relieved. Mr. Potter come back there and he said, well, did you find out your family people's name? And Uncle Bubba Jack stuck out his chest. He said, yes, sir. We's the family members of Mr. B.J. Madison with a T. 
Whew, that sweat dried up off of this pole forehead, and he showed us where to go take the food and where we was going to have the service. Now we's very organized. I done told you that. So we have the people in our family that do the funeral singing, you know, Precious Lord and all them, and they commence the singing. We have folks in our family that do the crying. They do the crying and hollering. We have folks in our family that do the fainting and the falling out. And we had other folks that do the fan, and they run to, between the ones fainting and falling out and between the ones crying. And Uncle Bubba Jack did the eulogy. I tell you, Mr. B.J. Madison with a T would have been proud of his home going. Now, after everything was done, we cleaned up Polo Funeral Home, cleaner than it ever been cleaned since Uncle Bubba Jack was a child. Because that's just how we do it, my family. We believe in leaving everything better than it was before we got there. Now, we filed on out of Polo Funeral Home. The folks with the empty meat plates was in the front. The folks with the empty side dishes was behind them. The folks with the dessert plates was behind them. And if you had drinks and paper cups, you just file on out anyway. Now, sometimes it takes a child to let you know what's going on. And Beba May granddaughter said, well, what is Uncle Bubba Jack's real name? I looked at Beba May. We looked at Uncle Bubba Jack. And he starts scratching his head. He said, well, it's been so long, I don't rightly remember. <laughs> so much for being organized. <laughs> and so I went on and I continued to tell stories at the Caramu and different places, but I never made it what God wanted me to do. Make it the first thing that I'm supposed to do. Make it a primary thing in my life because sometimes we take gifts and we just discount them. But you know, I thought about sometimes when I go to the nursing homes, it brings joy to people. It encourages people. And I have one last final story for the season. And it's by Mary's neighbor. It said, I knew Mary. <laughs> Yeah, I live right next door to Mary. Now, I ain't no nosy neighbor, but I saw everything that went on. I was there when she hopped up on that donkey. It couldn't have been me. I mean, you carrying God's baby and you got to hop up on a donkey? I'd have been calling on heaven. Um, excuse me, Mr. Angel, excuse me. Yeah, that's me, Mary. Yeah, blessed and highly favored, chosen by God to bring folks to save the other world. Yeah, that, oh, thank you. Yeah, that's me. Uh, could you check the records and see if this is correct? It's time for us to go to Bethlehem, and all I see out here is a little old donkey. <laughs> and I would imagine the angel would go back there and check the records and come back and say, yes, that is correct. But Mary didn't complain. She just hopped up on that donkey boogity 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 and went on to Bethlehem. <laughs> Then when they got to Bethlehem, I ain't nosy, but they tell me that Joseph went around and he couldn't find nowhere for them to have the God's baby. That couldn't have been me either. Um, excuse me, Mr. Angel, woohoo, it's me, yeah, yeah, Mary, blessed and highly favored, chosen to have God's baby, you, yeah, you know, you know, you know. Uh, can you check the records one more time? We done got here to Bethlehem, and they tell me that Marriott ain't got room for one more chariot. 
and their hilt and it's filled to the hilt. And the best western ain't moved on up to the east side yet. And heaven forbid Motel 6 them forgot to leave the light on. Could you check the records? And he'd come back and he would say, that is correct. Now Mary didn't complain, Mary didn't fuss, Mary didn't do anything, but she went along with the plan of God for her life. So that's what I want to encourage you, to go on with the plan of God for your life. Don't be stuck in the belly of a whale. Accept your calling. Accept what God has given you and be the best that you can do. We don't have to understand it just like in the cemetery. We just have to continue to be what God has called us to be. And I want to thank you for tuning in for the first episode of Just Telling My Stories. I don't know how God is going to take me out, whether it's with cancer or whatever, but I know one thing for sure, that we come down here for a time and for a season. And with the help of God during that time and season, I want to be found just telling my stories. Those of you that may want to make a donation, you can catch up to that, right? Dollar sign B-A-T-G-W-I.